Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into another episode of the Prime Time Titans. We got a, a great episode here for y'all today on game day. We have David Lombardi from The Athletic, a 49ers beat reporter out of the Bay Area, who's in town for the Titans game, covering the 49ers, obviously. He stops by. We have about an hour-long chat talking all Titans and 49ers. We also get a great background into kind of his life, um, his career, starting out at Stanford, uh, moving up into the job that he has today after spending some time with ESPN. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great conversation. I know JG and I had a lot of fun. Shout out Pettit. He's not here today. It's his birthday. Um, y'all, show, show, y'all show him some love when you can. Um, but, yeah, we're excited to be dropping this uh, long-form, hour-long interview today. And uh, hope it gets you guys ready for the game kicking off this evening. So, without further ado, please welcome in Ariana Grande. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. All right, here we go. Primetime Titans. This is JG. And I'm Robert. And Pettit is actually not here today, but we have a special guest. Uh, please introduce yourself, David Lombardi. David Lombardi, covered the 49ers for the Athletic in town for tonight's game. Excited. Absolutely love it. How was the flight in from, well, the it Bay It was area. fast. It was crazy. It, we had 186 mile an hour tailwinds. Really? Dang. Yes. So I actually came in through Dallas yesterday, and the flight from San Francisco to Dallas was just over two hours. The flight from Dallas to Nashville was only an hour, which is faster than I've ever done it. But the 49ers flew direct later at night, and I was talking to somebody who was on the plane with them, and they said they made it in just over three from the Bay Area to wow. Nashville, which is it's, – yeah, that's insane. So, I mean, you're going what – your ground speed probably is – almost 700 miles an hour with those kind of winds. So. That is insane. I actually just came from Denver as well. I was, on a, uh, I was doing a little ski trip in Copper Mountain. <clears throat> how's, the, that, how, it, how's the powder in Denver? It was, it was a little icy. There, little icy? It wasn't snowing as much. Maybe those tailwinds were uh, yeah, whipping maybe. up some I, ice on the snow. It didn't snow as much, but it was still good skiing. So This year in California, it's going to be an epic ski year. Already is because it's just raining the whole time. Yeah, like the weather. If this game were back there, the weather would be worse than it is here. So really, I'm happy well, that it's here. Yeah, thank goodness. I I know happen a lot. I yeah. actually saw uh, I saw a tweet that it was you know one of the weathermen around here. He said it's going to be around low fifties start the kickoff, and by the fourth quarter, it'll probably be like high forties. So just partly cloudy. I think it's going to be a great weather game. Definitely better than what that would be so but yeah obviously titans are playing the 49ers thursday night we're recording this thursday morning uh game day and uh obviously i, feel like that's I got why, the goosebumps already baby <laughs> i feel like obviously that's why we have a you know the beat writer in um yeah so let's just y'all just want to go ahead and jump into it and talk about yeah first though i think we should wish our third co-host a happy birthday 
Yes, we should. He's Happy uh, birthday. I don't even know him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking a little birthday vacation. That's why he's not here. It all makes sense. <laughs> a birthday we had to give him the day off, you know, <laughs> to go work his real job. Yeah. Um, yeah, so happy birthday, Pettit. Uh, we hope you have a great one. He will be at the game tonight. Yes, he will. Sounds like representing the primetime crew. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be honest, Robert and uh, David. Is it David or Dave? Either one. Okay. You guys could you guys can argue over which one sounds better. Gotcha. I, I've, everybody always asks me that, and a lot of people just call me Lombardi, and that works for football. No okay. relation but. to Vince Lombardi, does it? Only by name. I could <laughs> lie right now, but uh. there's a. Isn't there an NFL Network draft guy named Lombardi too? Yeah. Well, there's the uh, former executive, right, the, um, for the Cleveland Browns, Mike Lombardi, okay, former GM, and I think that that might be who you're talking about. But no, are you related to any of them? I'm not related to any of okay. them. Okay. Lombardi also means in Italian it would mean or Latin or wherever it came from. Northern Italy it means the long bearded ones. Nice. Have you ever grown a long beard? I have a little bit longer than the stubble uh, right now, (laughs) so just a little bit of a beard, but it always starts itching and stuff, so I don't live up to my name. But no, it was actually, you know, when you, it's Italian, and you, when you're in in Italy, it's, it's unbelievable. I've never been to a country where people look so different from one part of the country to the next. So in Southern Italy, everybody's really short and, and darker, right? And then you go up to Northern Italy and everybody gets taller, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, and that's because I guess back in the age of the fall of the Roman Empire, a bunch of, you know, the barbarians, the, a bunch of Germanic tribes came down and conquered Northern Italy and they called them the long bearded ones. Huh, so now wow. there's a state in Northern Italy, one of the provinces called Lombardia, where Milan is. Really? Yeah. So that's that's kind of where my I'm Swiss Italian. That wow. side of the family is. That's fascinating. That's, I wonder if there's any awesome. height difference between like the East Coast and the West Coast of the United <laughs> States. Yeah. I, so it, Italy is America. Obviously, has I think they say five or six predominant regions. Where, okay. You know, you have different distinct dialects and obviously cultures. Italy has like 26, and it's a much smaller area. Amazing. Yeah. It, Maybe it's, they're it's really cool. the the real mixing part of the world <laughs> yeah we've so, only got five or six they've got so 24 actually uh before we jump into it so um you work for 49ers with the athletic the athletic yes. and so give us a little bit of backstory uh into how you got there and you know where you kind of started with the sports and then how you've gotten to the 49ers well, that, that's a good one actually because uh i i went to college at stanford and while i was there i got involved in the student radio station Nice. And it was 2006 when I was a freshman. So right around 06, 07 is when I first, you know, walked into the student radio station. This was this little basement under Memorial Auditorium at Stanford. And I didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew I wanted to be a sports announcer. That was always a dream of mine. Mm -hmm. And I say, hey, you know, what sports do you have available? You know, I didn't know where to start. And they kind of just, they put me on a couple softball games at first, but then they had an opportunity for a more major sport and they just threw me out to football. And you have to think about context at the time. Stanford was one and 11 at the time, football, the year before, the year before. Yeah. So nobody wanted to do football. Everybody wanted to do basketball. But that ended up being the luckiest break of my life because football team had just hired Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And I guess that would have, 
Andrew Luck as well? Would that well, have been? Okay, so that's a little bit later, but yes, okay, yeah. we overlapped. So Harbaugh in 07, his first year, my first road game calling the team for the student radio station was the biggest upset by point spread in college football history. Stanford wow. was a 41-point underdog to USC. They were number two in the country at the time. So Stanford's coming off a 111 season. Stanford had lost 41-0 to the week before. Pete Carroll's coaching USC. They go into the Coliseum, and they win 24-23. So that that was, is awesome. So of course I'm hooked at that point. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> of course. That's yeah. my first game. Had got to be. I'd never before, and since then I've had a couple – experiences where I literally have felt the wind sucked out of a stadium, but that was, that topped it when Stanford scored that winning touchdown. They had Richard Sherman on the team was a, was a wow. sophomore wide yeah. receiver. They had a wide receiver. He was really? a wide receiver yeah, at Stanford. He came, in, he came in as a receiver. I had Pete no Carroll, idea. Pete Carroll uh, recruited him to USC, but wanted him to switch to cornerback. And he's like, no, at that time he was still, well, immature, wanted to play receiver, and he's like, "No, I'm going to go to Stanford and play what I want to play." I guess we know that Pete Carroll was ended up. He ended up being right. Yes, <laughs> so. and, and Richard will will credit him to this day because yeah. Pete Carroll saw him in high school, and he wanted that was before the decade of cover three defense. You know, last decade. And now people aren't running it anymore, but last decade they the Seahawks style defense took over. Yeah. Right? And Richard Sherman was the prototype for Pete Carroll. He wanted the tall corner for that that zone based defense. That is awesome. Oh, Wait, yeah. so he was he was a receiver the whole time throughout Stanford. No, no. Harbaugh. Okay. Harbaugh okay. actually Harbaugh switched him to the corner and that hurt Harbaugh later on when he went to the 49ers and then <laughs> Richard Sherman beat him. So it was this crazy <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, but so he's still a receiver at this point and Stanford is down twenty three seventeen. A bunch of fluky stuff happened to keep him in the game, like pick six, fumble, all this stuff. John David yeah. Booty, who was the quarterback oh yeah i remember him usc broke his finger in the first half off a helmet you know he hit it and so he was thrown high all game threw five picks oh my that, god that's how you lose it's worse than tannehill yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's how you lose as a 41 point favorite so he throws five picks and somehow some way the 40 uh no the 49ers uh stanford has the ball at the coliseum Ninety-three thousand fans are just like you could sense the nerves, you know, yeah. nothing good could happen for USC. Either, either you win and you, it's only just an w- ugly win. Yeah. yeah you you want yeah. a game. You're supposed to win by 40 by six or yeah. you, you lose and it's total disaster. And Stanford had actually a backup quarterback making his first career start in that game too, to add to the improbability of this named Tavita Pritchard. And he starts driving them down the field, but they hit a spot where it's fourth and 20 and you're like, okay, finally, this was cute and everything, but this is not going to work. And Pritchard just, throws one over the middle and Sherman literally catches it 20 yards and one inch down the field. And he gets, I believe it was Taylor Mays. I don't know if you guys remember. Yes. I remember Taylor Mays. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just crunches him. And you're like, Oh, there's, you know, it was right at the first down marker. Then you see the refs coming in and they actually spotted it just like an inch past it. And then they scored on fourth and goal later in the drive. Man. Amazing. Yeah. Whatever happened to Taylor Mays in the NFL? He got drafted by the 49ers, actually, uh, and flamed out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, you know, underwear Olympics gold medalist kind of yeah. guy. You know, he was <laughs> definitely a combine hero. Yeah. Physical prototype, but didn't. I, I noticed that USC, with Carroll, obviously, they're playing a ton of single high uh, because that's what Carroll loved to do, um, even in the NFL. But with Mays, who's playing it, he was always so far back off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And in college, Whenever he felt like it, he'd run up and he'd hit somebody really hard. But I think that once it got down to the nitty gritty of the NFL game, and he had to be in play in play out basis, yeah, 
you know, it, the, everybody's fast. Everybody's big in the NFL. You know, oh, they translated as well. So yeah. that's my theory. He just wasn't cut out for it. I'm looking at the roster right now for that USC team. That's the Ray Maluga, Maluga, Maluga Brian Cushing. And then, fun fact, Patrick Turner was kind of an underused wide receiver yeah. on that team. Yeah. But he was the number one overall recruit at a good pasture. Uh, yeah. Wow, like, I did not like know 20 that. minutes up the road yeah. in Nashville. I had Mark Sanchez, too, I believe, because he would start the next year. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Sanchez with a backup quarterback. They got their revenge against Stanford the next year. Did they just kill him? Or just it was like 45-21. It wasn't like okay. – it wasn't, you know, but then the – because Stanford wasn't – in 08, they had Luck already next year, but he was redshirting. And then Luck started in 09, so Harbaugh's mm-hmm. third year, and that was the what's-your-deal game. That's when Stanford ran up the score when they returned to the Coliseum in yep. 09 because the, the 08 game was at Stanford. So Stanford was up 48-21. Matt Barkley was the quarterback by this point of USC. Who <laughs> was a Titan and, at one point this year. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Isn't he, is he not still? Oh, no, we cut him. That's he, right. We cut him. We brought in – uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Twenty other teams in the NFL that have cut Matt Barkley <laughs> yeah, at yeah, one point. Yeah. But yeah, it was forty-eight twenty-one, and Stanford was obviously fans are already leaving, and Harbaugh this was running power to Toby Gerhardt over and over. Oh my gosh, go. what a name! Yeah. This is incredible. And if you talk to the Stanford offensive linemen um, in that game, the, the USC defensive lineman there was a drive where they ran like think power 11 straight times for a touchdown let's go and one of the usc defensive linemen literally told the stanford o lineman if you guys run power one more time i'm literally subbing myself out of the <laughs> <game>. <laughs> and harbaugh is amazing harbaugh went for two up at 48 21 and that's that's and they ended up winning 55 21 that's why pete carroll said what's your deal at the end of the game mm, that's gotcha. that that created mm. that, that uh, are they still thing. kind of rivals well, they've been at I guess Michigan spots. and yeah, Har- Harbaugh's been in Michigan for a while now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think he started in fourteen, right? So yeah, it's, it's weird it's to crazy. think about how long he actually has been. No, there. fifteen. Fourteen was his last year. With a, yeah, he started in fifteen. So yeah. and I feel like this is the first year in a while where they've just gone back to that. We're going to run the ball so much more than we're going to pass it, and they're now. You know they're in the college football playoff, so yeah. maybe maybe yeah. him getting back to his roots was kind of the key. Well, it's it's kind of cool to see that all come full circle because like back to the start, back to your question, that's how it kind of got started for me. I kind of got to cover the rise of Stanford football. That's sweet. And built enough connections there to when I got out of school, I um, worked for it was the Scout.com website yeah. covering oh, yeah. Stanford football. Yeah, and then I got hired by ESPN, covered the Pac-12. Okay, And then when I got laid off by ESPN in 2017, when I was actually in Nashville, which is crazy. Wow. The first time. I was just visiting town for two days, passing through, and that's when I got the phone call. That they were laying me off along with like 250 other people. Oh, yeah, my gosh. I remember yeah. some of those. Um, but that ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because they, they had to pay me because I had just like re-signed for a year. So I was being paid for like 10 more months. Oh, and nice. toward the end of that 10-month runway, the athletic was getting going. And yeah. Uh, I just – kind of fell in same thing with the athletic the bay area division of the athletic needed somebody to come to cover the 49ers because they were so terrible nobody wanted to cover the 49 really yes so <laughs> was that so that was so this was before shanahan got it was there. when shanahan got there but his first year like nobody was confident his first year okay. because they were coming off of because they missed the Harbaugh thing was such a raw deal for Harbaugh Harbaugh was I think in his first three years was the winningest coach ever he over his first three years yeah and then he got you know 
uh, that you could talk all about the drama in, in year four, but there were definitely there definitely was more to it than just his performance on the field, right? Yeah. Um, there was a dispute with ownership and all that, so fans lost a lot of confidence in the 49ers' direction, especially when they hired Jim Tom Sula, fired him after one year, hired Chip Kelly, fired him after one year. So you've gone through three coaches in three years. Mm-hmm. You're not winning. You're getting worse. That's when they brought in Shanahan. And Shanahan has actually told the story of um, him getting hired by uh, Jed York, who's the owner, and – he, uh, this is actually, well, both of them told the same story, but this is why Jed York hired him because Jed, he had struggled. He, he, you know, probably fired Harbaugh because he didn't like Harbaugh. He wasn't really thinking about how good of a coach he was. Yeah. And then he wanted to get guys in there that he liked. But then by that point, by 2017, he really needed a coach that was going to, you know, tell him the truth and yeah and you know even if he rubbed in the wrong way and so he asked all of his candidates that year what do you think of our current roster and he said that i think uh josh mcdaniels might have been one of the candidates that year i, I forgot but all, he basically jed implied that most of those guys kind of fluffed up the 49ers situation and they're like ah oh, yeah there's something to work with here and he yeah. said shanahan when he asked him in his interview shanahan said this is the worst roster I've ever seen. <laughs> oh <my laughs> and that's kind of what earned him the job. He, he so needed he get, somebody that. Did he get hired before John Lynch got hired? Yes. And then he hired John I didn't Lynch. Know that. So Shanahan is first in command. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, I, I didn't thought, know that I either. Forgot. Yeah. So Shanahan's the G. He's, he's like Belichick. He's like the GM and the coach. So they have this dual headed personality at the top, right? They have Shanahan as the coach, but he has personnel power that he checks. Like, there, there's. The, the hierarchy is different than any other team. They they both have committed to being on the same page before they make a major decision. Now, if it comes to somebody firing somebody, uh, it gets weird because yeah. we haven't been there yet. Though, right, so right. Know. But, but what I do know is that Shanahan hired Lynch. Like, okay. Shanahan was there first, and then when York and everybody's looking for a GM, Shanahan was on that you know, part of that process to do that. So uh, it hasn't really been tested yet as far as like, how is this going to work if stuff really goes south? I would imagine so far it's been going pretty well. The closest it's come to getting really tested has probably been this year because y'all started, what, two and six? Well, like in the off season, I get like in the off season leading into middle of the year. Two and four. Just dealing with the whole Trey Lance situation. Yeah, well, I'm just saying because the Niners – at the first half of the season, everybody around the league thought, okay, this isn't a very good football team. And then all of a sudden, y'all have, what, seven in a row, six in a row? You're, on a, you're, you're winning a lot of games. Five of six. Yeah, they were two and four, and then they were three and five. And ever since the three and five, uh, they've been, I think, five was and that, one of those games. So. When was the Colts game in there? Was that, to, was that three the, and five? or The Colts game dropped them to two and four. Okay. And then they went to Chicago. And they improved the three and four, but then they came back to the Bay Area and lost to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. Oh, the I oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they that. Just got, and the offense wasn't bad. Like, Garoppolo's actually good in that game. He's He's been good since week eight. But in that game, he had two big game passes to Kittle and Ayuk that they caught, started running, and they fumbled. Right. Yeah. So, so that that and, and so and then the defense just got squashed. They had Drake Kirkpatrick at the time and Eno Benjamin just truck sticked him. Yeah, that was, that was I was watching shows. that play yeah. So they they cut him shortly thereafter. <laughs> but but uh, right after that Colts game, um, 
Oh, no, right after that Cardinals game, they played the Rams on Monday Night Football. And that was the that that's pointed to as the big turnaround. They okay. beat thirty-one to seven, I believe. Yeah, um, y'all crushed them. because yeah. that was Elzo Dell's first game. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, so now y'all are eight and six, um, and it's so it's looking like things are going well. Um, definitely turn it around. Garoppolo is playing pretty well, and freaking, I've had Brandon Ayuk on my fantasy team all year. And he was so frustrating. What was <laughs> was he just in a doghouse? He, he just single handedly lost me. Well, him and Tom Brady, and I was playing Cooper Cup, lost <laughs> me to semifinals in the league I care a lot about. I've borderline been depressed the last thirty six hours. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that there. We'll go to the question about Brandon Ayuk. But yeah, so Brandon Ayuk is now. I honestly, it was like Debo Samuel was the the receiver to look out for. And now it's almost like Debo Samuels just turned into a running back. A running back. <laughs> yeah. Literally, yeah. And so it's just, it's crazy to me because I guess Ayuk and then I'm a big Vols fan. So I love Juwan Jennings. Yeah. So he's so been, he's been definitely a great surprise. I like are I would think that 49ers fans, riders, they have to be very impressed with Juwan Jennings and what he's done. Right. Yes. Juwan Jennings, Oh, he's he's awesome. I, I, he had a huge catch against the Bengals to get that first. It was like a third down or something. The, the, the catches are massive. That was yeah, that was the the back shoulder kind yeah. of uh, throw the Garoppolo made on that drive, which got your heart's coming out of your throat during that drive. You know, overtime yeah. where you have to score and you're on the road and stuff like yeah. That's the kind of when I cover football, it's the kind of stuff I live for. Is oh, those, yeah. those kind of drives. That oh, was yeah. really cool up in Cincinnati, but. Uh, Jawan Jennings, more the mentality than anything. You know, Shanahan, it, he's really big on his receivers having the block because they run so much wide zone. And it, he's really trying to ingrain this mentality of we're going to rough up the league while the league downsizes, right? The league has gotten smaller and faster. It's turned into a passing league. Yet the 49ers and the Titans also. I mean, yeah, I was about the, to say, that is yeah. literally our – our identity. So, but it's not like a league-wide identity. I think there are only a couple teams that are trying to zag when everybody else is zigging, and mm-hmm. two of them play tonight, and the 49ers and the Titans. And the big thing for the Niners is the, the receivers have to bring that nasty downfield. So, Jawan Jennings has been perfect. Yeah. And, I, I mean, mean he, I love him. He pisses guys off blocking, oh which is gosh. awesome because guys are a lot of these DBs are soft these days, so they take yeah, offense they to receive. They're like, "Why are you them, blocking you know? me? You're yeah. it's on the other side <laughs> of the field. Why, why do I care?" Exactly. So there was a play against Jacksonville, where uh, I forgot who it was on Jacksonville. It was one of their safeties, but um, he. He, he, was it the worst a, safety of the league? Wingard number forty-two, or yeah, or Wingard with the <laughs> no, blonde hair. God, I wish I, I wish I remembered, but he he drew a personal foul flag. Trevon Merrick? No, it might have been a corner. I, regardless, it was. <laughs> yeah. We just God, keep I, going. I'm gonna guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Jacksonville safeties this year. We got to figure this out, squad guys. Yeah. <laughs> but he uh, he he got him to to. You know, try to punch him basically with a helmet on, which is the dumbest play. The, always know, the in, dumbest in, in thing. Football, good way to break your hand. But the <laughs> whole time, Jawan Jennings was just like had kept. I know he had trouble sometimes keeping his cool at Tennessee. That was kind of yeah. the look on him. But he's definitely learned how to regulate all that and keep the motions in check. <clears throat> and if you look at the replay, the camera zoomed in. He was literally just laughing. And oh, this I guy bet. Was trying to hit him, I and bet. it reminded me of uh, Tyler Durden in Fight Club. When he's down in the bottom and he's letting the the, the owner of the, the 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 bar beat the crap out of yeah. him, he's just laughing there and he's getting the best of him. They totally reminded me of that. And he drew the flag and the Forty ers were all happy about it and stuff. And that that kind of stuff, I feel, 
just helps set an identity for a team, set mm-hmm. a tone for a team. And I think Jawan Jennings has fit in perfectly in that regard. Yeah, so with that, with receiver, I'm going to talk about like receivers against our secondary, um, and then I'm going to kind of shift to the, the uh, y'all's rush attack against ours. But I, do you think, I guess, to me, when I look at the matchup, I Ayuk definitely scares me. You know, Jawan Jennings scares me. Obviously, Debo Samuel scares me. But I think the person who scares me the most is George Kittle. I don't know. And I know that Kevin Byard could guard him pretty well. I know Dane Cruikshank, our basically third safety, um, he's been hurt throughout the year. But he guarded Travis Kelsey. And he was kind of on Kelsey a lot when we played the Chiefs earlier this year. Did pretty well. So, I don't know. Like, that's that matchup scares me big time. I don't know about you, Robert. But. No, I'd agree. I'm – very interested to hear your thoughts on on Kittle versus Byard because I think that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Well, here's the thing. I think it's a bigger picture thing. I think the 49ers early in the season, you guys mentioned it earlier, were almost exclusively relying on Debo Samuel in the past game to the point where he was getting like 80% of the targets. And it was because Brandon Ayuk, uh, for the first seven weeks of the season, was still not within the flow of the offense. You know, people wanted to call it a doghouse, but – Usually the doghouse or Kyle Shanahan means you're not playing. He yeah. was actually playing. He, he was, was getting he would, all the reps. He, get he just no wasn't targets. getting the targets. Yeah. No targets. I just think he wasn't good enough, and, and here's why. He hurt, He came into training camp, looked great, but then he strained his hamstring, missed some time, gotcha. and I think he just lost confidence, lost rapport. You know, Garoppolo is such a rhythm quarterback. I think he lost rapport with He was Garoppolo. a beast last year, yeah. Brandon Ayuk. He no, was he a d- beast. He totally was. I think this that hamstring injury just threw him off, and it threw the 49ers for a loop. I mean, they t- they were talking about it every week. They were like, he's working hard. We don't know what's wrong. You know, he's just not getting the same separation, not the same, like, you know, you have that pizzazz as a receiver, mm-hmm. that kind of swag. Yeah. He just didn't have it. And for this whole team, a lot clicked around that week eight in Chicago, right? And in sh- all of a sudden, he started making off-schedule catches. Garoppolo started looking for him when the pocket broke down. And that's when Ayuk, uh, you know, took that next step. And in the bigger picture, to answer your question here, it that allowed the 49ers to ultimately become balanced offensively. They now have three legitimate plus targets between Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. When it was only Samuel, because Kittle was also hurt during mm-hmm. that period of time, they were pretty easy to guard. Yeah. You know, and that's why they were so inconsistent offensively. When you got three guys like that, you're tough to guard because obviously – uh, Jawan Jennings is the fourth option, and then you have a lot and of he's other starting to come options. On. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's the key right there is that if, as long as the 49ers are as balanced as as they are, and that as long as they have a running back that allows Debo Samuel to only do spot duty in the backfield, and right now they do, and Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell's not going to play tonight, but Jeff yeah. Wilson is coming along. Uh, that allows that passing game to be to, to really spread it out and, yeah. and give defenses trouble, and that will get George Kittle in one on one. So maybe Bayard guards him. You know, maybe play some kind of zone. I know Tennessee <clears throat> plays some effective zone coverages, but if if they take Kittle away, then it's right. a pick your poison kind of thing. Well, what I'm really interested to see on that side of the ball is the. T- I mean, obviously y'all have those three plus targets, but the 49ers' bread and butter is running the football. And you touched about touched on the wide zone play that. Shanahan Shanahan loves so much the Titans we have what I think we're the second ranked defense against the run we were before the Steelers game and we had we held Najee to 12 carries for like 18 yards I think we've given up 43 rushing yards in the last two games and 
Which we just added Zach Cunningham to that, as you probably know from uh, his acquisition of the Texans two weeks ago. So what I'm really interested to see is how our front seven matches up with your fronts or the 49ers front seven to see if maybe we can make the 49ers and Mike Shanahan one-dimensional and just maybe then at that point, if it's third and 10, we can cover Kittle with two guys and we can, you know, maybe shadow the shadow the safety over to Debo's side of the ball. Cause that's really our only shot. I think in this game yeah. is to sell out an early down, stop the run and be able to, keep the 49ers from hitting long, grinding drives, because I don't think our offense is going to score many points. No. What are your well, thoughts Jeffrey on that? Simmons is a problem yeah. inside. He's who's one of the strongest somehow not a pro football. bowler. Yeah, so. what, a, what, a, what a tragedy that he's not a pro bowler. I, and he's going to be a problem for the 49ers because th- this is a run-blocking offensive line. The Shanahan offensive lines are lighter and more athletic than your typical line. Mm-hmm. So they can get out in space, but they can't anchor in – pass protection if, mm. if, if the bull rush is coming so if you get third and 10 and you know you can't run and the bull rush is coming those guys get pushed back trent williams is special he could do whatever yeah on he's the left side insane lake and tomlinson that he's the 49ers main pro bowl snub the left side of the line is solid alex mack is a he's, he's old but he's good mm-hmm. but the right side especially is a former tight end daniel brunskill at right guard okay and Tom compton who was never good up until this year, and oh, he started in Week 12 because Mike McGlinchey uh, tore his quad. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. Right. But Compton, oh, since Week 12, has been the top PFF's top graded uh, run blocking right tackle, That's but awesome. the worst graded pass blocking right oh, tackle. Gosh. So, so that, <laughs> worse that, than Questenberry. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to see We're some bad right chops. tackle play when it comes to pass protection. This We're game. licking our chops. That, that might be a good transition because the Titans offensive line is atrocious and it's going to get even worse because we're missing Lawan and Saffold for this game. Yes. Um, and Tennessee's offensive line, you know, when it's fully healthy, I feel resembles the 49ers line a bit in that it, it's better at, it, at run blocking than it is in pass protection. And that's why they love to run so much play action because you, in a way, shield your offensive lineman when you run the play action. And that's why Shanahan has wanted to do that. But the 49ers have kind of shifted back to a lot of gun stuff because that's made Garoppolo more comfortable. Uh, but but the point is that both of these teams want to run because it it helps conceal some of these weaknesses up front. So if the Titans can go out and stop the 49ers run game then and force, you know, second and long, third and long situations, then yes, they get the 49ers in position where they have to anchor and pass protection, and uh, that's not good. And I think that's the key for the 49ers going the other way too because Tannehill's thrown a lot of picks and he's been pressured a lot this yeah. year. So, so uh, before we get to our offensive line, one last question on for y'all's offense. How much of a difference is it going to be not having Eli Mitchell? Because I know – Jeff Wilson started to finally come along uh, last week against the Falcons. And I know, honestly, with Eli Mitchell being out, it's almost been like there's more opportunities for Debo Samuel to to see some rushing action. Is losing out on Eli Mitchell really, is it, you know, advan- is it an advantage for us? Or is, or is it really just not much of a difference? If Jeff Wilson runs the way that he did last week, it won't make much of a difference in the game. He finally had gotten that burst back, and he was running because he was zone. not doing well the games before. No, he tore his meniscus standing up from a chair in a locker room during OTAs. That's, that's oh how my he did gosh. it. Yeah, that's how he tore his meniscus. He's oh my gosh! 
That it was like peak forty because they were the, one of the most injured teams in history in twenty twenty. I they, remember that. Yeah. yeah. Well, all the and then so then you're like, okay, the year's done. We're moving on to the next season. We'll leave that behind us. And then this guy literally tears the meniscus. <laughs> well, because we beat, we the the record for most active yes. players. Yeah. We beat the 49ers for that two weeks year. ago. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to write about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we had uh, eighty six. We have now had eighty six players. Over the course of our season, and the 49ers, y'all had 84 tied with the Dolphins. And like yeah, I think it was the Dolphins in 2019. 2019. So the 84 was the 2020 49ers? Yeah. Okay. Total yeah. active players, basically. Like the most active players in a season. Uh, that's, yeah, it's, it's stupid now with the NFL. I feel the injuries are up everywhere. I think that the speed and the power of the game has outpaced the ability of a lot of these guys' bodies to stay healthy. I also yeah, so. think, I also think. Just a quick aside, we can get back to the game, but I think there's just this mentality too where, you know, 20 years ago, if you could move, you, you were playing. And now, I'm not saying it's soft, but I'm saying they're just more careful. They're more pro player. You know, the player comes, comes over to the field and, you know, they got a shoulder injury. He's like, maybe I could get, sh you know, shoot it up and go back out there and play, but. You know, maybe the player now is more concerned with the longevity of his career. Yeah. He's done a lot more research into, okay, what's going to maximize my earning capacity over my lifetime? And there's just more emphasis on being pro player. And so I think we're probably seeing – I think this is what's happening with Julio. We're, we're seeing the player and even the coaches be more like, hey, let's hold you back, you know, because we're going to – we want you to either A, play when it matters – or B, trying to long, uh, trying to preserve the duration of your career. Because, I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, but we, we all know Julio is going to play a quarter, quarter and a half, then <laughs> his hamstring is going to get tight and he's going to pull himself out and he'll be out the rest of the game. And that's just how it's going to go. And we're not going to throw him the football for that quarter, quarter and a half. One target last week. <laughs> Don't right? get Robert what? started. Oh, my Don't gosh. Don't get Robert started. Because <laughs> Ryan Tannehill can't move in the pocket and create separation and throw to a wide-open Julio streaking down in the middle of the field first play of the game. Yeah, um, so we usually – this year our schedule has been we recap the game from Sunday and then later on the week or even the same morning that we do the recap, we record the preview for the next game. This week, with it being a short week against the 49ers, you know, just schedule wasn't working out. We were like, we're not even going to recap the Steelers game. We were so mad. We were so mad. <laughs> we, we, so, we were so upset. We just couldn't do it. So, But, yeah, so I don't know how we got off on that. Oh, players being injured. Um so, I mean, we don't have to touch on that very long, but I just – I had that thought the other day. Yeah. So, Eli, I guess, like, the way I saw it was Eli Mitchell, it just – he adds another, uh, you know, another factor, another level. I feel like he is better than Jeff Wilson, definitely. Yeah, it, definitely before last week there was a tangible difference in how they ran the yeah. outside zone. And with Shanahan, it's – that's so big. That's – you need somebody to effectively be able to run the outside zone. There's a – Big misconception about 49ers running backs and Shanahan running backs. Like you just take anybody and plug them in and, and yeah, make the exactly. system work. It's not the case. And, and that's why they had to move Debo Samuel, the running back, because they had Raheem Mostert. He was one of the fastest players in the NFL. He can hit those wide zone holes, and that kind of creates the structure of the offense. It, they spread the field with the wide zone, and then Garoppolo attacks the middle mm -hmm. because that's where they get yak on the on the on the mm, they yeah. have the highest yards after the catch in the league. So it's all wow. part of a bigger formula, right? 
And if you can't, if you don't have the wide zone runner, the whole offense kind of is a house of cards, collapses. So they lost Mostert in week one, three plays into the he's season. Made of glass. Yes, but then they <laughs> then they got Elijah Mitchell uh, in the sixth round, and boom, right away he scored a wide zone touchdown against the Lions in week one as a rookie sixth round pick. And they're like, oh, this kid can hit the holes that we need him to. So he became the de facto runner, but he's dealt with five or he's tough, five or six injuries already. He's Concussion, played through a lot of them. Knee. Yeah, knee. Broke his finger. Is it, the the finger. knee is the one that's keeping him out. Yeah, this he's week. through protocol. Right. So, okay. so Mitchell was able to do it, but because of all these injuries, he was out a lot, and uh, they couldn't just you know they're picking guys up off the street, but none of those guys were going to cut it. So they moved Samuel back there, and Samuel was like, he might be a more natural. I mean, he's a really good. Receiver, it's insane. He is I, so good at running. He's better at hitting holes as a running back than he is at beating man coverage as a receiver. And he was he already a thousand so yard explosive. receiver at the time. He looks Yo. so explosive, like every single run. He, yeah, he 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 has he has the feel. Yeah. yeah, and you have to have the. It's not all about speed for the wide zone. Like Alfred Morris was a was a good Shanahan running back for several years, and he was a four six four seven guy, I think. Uh, he was slow, but he had the feel to to hit the wide zone. And I, I'm not saying Debo's slow, but he's not as fast as Mostert. Probably yep. not as fast as Mitchell, but he has the feel. He knows hmm. how to you know you kind of lean into where the blocks are and lean into where the hole is. But Debo is temporary because they want to have three targets on that. They want to use Debo as a gadget runner, not as a volume runner. So that's why it's important to have a back you know not named Debo back there. And that's why Jeff Wilson coming back last week. Um, and running the way that he did, 21 for 110, was so big because Elijah Mitchell's still out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as long as Wilson runs the way they did last week with the wide zone, they're fine. But yeah. Wilson could also get hurt. There are, uh, the 49ers, I think they get hurt so much is because they, they Shanahan tries to have the best of both worlds, and, and it, he tries to have speed and physicality at running back. Well, that means you want physicality at a lighter weight, right? Because, yeah. yeah and, and so these guys get hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Jeffrey Simmons, touched on Kevin Byard. Any other Titans defensive players that maybe you've got your eye on or are interested to see how they perform? Uh, Harold tonight? Landry, because back in 2018, I remember when he was coming out of Boston College, impressive speed rusher, I thought back then. I know it took him uh, – he has 11 sacks this year. Uh, I know his first year – Everybody, I mean, r- rookies. It takes unless you're Nick Bosa or somebody like that. Yeah, and, uh, Chase but, Young. But I, I was, I was, yeah. Th- he wasn't. He was a second rounder, right? Right. So mm-hmm. um, I was curious to see because the 49ers in 18 had an edge rushing need, and they decided to just kind of punt. They, they knew that they would circle the wagons in 2019 because they saw they they were going to sign D Ford. They didn't think they were going to get Bosa, but then Garoppolo got hurt in 2018, so they were able to get Bosa. It was just a better class of edge rushers in 19. Yeah. Um but I was always curious cuz I thought, you know, if they go edge in 18, they were going to go Landry cuz they like that speed rusher, but now he's in a 3-4 with Tennessee. Um but I want to see him play. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen him on film. I have I'm going to see him in person. But yeah. have you guys been impressed with him? Yeah, yeah it's been his best yeah. season for sure. And uh, it's great having him paired with Bud Dupree, and now Jeffrey Simmons has emerged. And then my personal favorite player on the defense is Danico Autry. We signed him from the Colts this past offseason. And just watching them four go to work early in the season when we went on that six-game winning streak, it was awesome. And then It was incredible. Bud Dupree got winning us games. Oh, yeah, it was single-handling winning us games. Um, 35 sacks, right? I mean, it – that's a strong suit of this team. And that's what we were so bad at last year. Third down defense could not get sacks. 
it was awful. And so seeing that this year is just so refreshing. It almost right. it got to a point where I was like, we need to go ahead and sign Harold Landry now, so we so he doesn't get keep like he keeps getting more expensive each game. So just just sign him now, yeah, yeah. resign him, and he doesn't so, get him at that value. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've we've seen what this defensive line can do when it's firing on all cylinders, and this is sort of a theme I would say of our season. We have a little bit of a taste, and we have a little bit of a picture of what this team can be. Right, if you have a healthy Derrick Henry, a healthy AJ Brown, a healthy Julio, a, a Tannehill, Tannehill, a Tannehill who's playing like his 2019 self or 2020 self, and the same thing on the D line when they're operating on all cylinders, when the corners are healthy. I mean, we I think we have a dominant defense when everybody's playing well, but then you have games like the Jets, the Texans, Steelers, and there's some injuries there, but also you just have games where you're like, what in the world is this team that I just watched? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see who comes out. Which which defensive line and whether Harold Landry plays or or doesn't play well tonight. So now the offense against uh, y'all's defense. I know I'm terrified of your of Bosa, Arden Key. Um, I, y'all have Armstead. Yeah, I mean y'all. Armstead. Yeah. I will say the have now another Vol, another VFL, Emmanuel Mosley. Was he put on IR? He's not playing. Yeah, he has a high ankle sprain. He's not going to be back until week eighteen at the soonest. So that's we'll, the weakness. Yeah, the the, defense, the, the the secondary and only know, the corners. The safeties are good. Okay, the nickel's good. The corners. Josh Norman is. I mean, like Jenkins. Is Jenkins named Jackrabbit now? Yeah, he changed it. He, he changed officially it. Yeah. changed it. My yeah. editor edited my story. I had Janoris Jenkins, and I was reading I think my story. I, I saw Jackrabbit uh, Jenkins on like, one of the <laughs> one of the video, I think the video that I watched that you made. You said Janoris Jenkins, and you're like, they call him Jackrabbit. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, it's technically it actually his name. Well, because um, I went to his Wikipedia, and it said his nickname was. They haven't fixed it there yet. Yeah, it said nickname. He just changed it this offseason, so, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, you have two. Fossils as corners in this game. Well, right? We're yeah. familiar with Josh Norman too. Last yeah, year, that's true. Yeah, that's Derek true. Henry made him a play that didn't even count, just embarrassed him. That <laughs> went viral as soon as the 49ers signed him. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's been really bad in in uh, in tackling on in run support on plays that are similar to that. I mean, it, it, the the book is the book on Josh Norman, but there are redeeming qualities. He leads the league with six forced fumbles. Really, wow. he's got the the peanut punch down. Huh. Yeah, peanut that. Tillman. Well, yeah. we have some very turnover prone skill players <laughs> on the Titans right now. So there you go. So, so he's at, yeah. So he's actually he, he he plays like he's thirty four in coverage. He plays like he's thirty four when it comes to tackling, but he he also plays like thirty four with the veteran smarts. The, yeah. the Julio the Julio Josh Norman old guy matchup is going to be fun to watch. Oh, that could be great. <laughs> and, I, and I wonder uh, just how much they're going to pick on Ambry Thomas, the rookie, because. Uh, Atlanta did that. Cincinnati did that. I guess and it, 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 I don't know if Ambry's going to start. They might start Dante Johnson because Ambry. He, what number is Ambry? Twenty. Okay. Yeah, twenty. So he is just he hasn't been in the weight room enough yet. He actually, they're sounds like me. Yeah, <laughs> they're encouraged because he actually had blanket coverage on all of the Falcons receivers last week. They picked on him, and he was right in position to make a play, but they would just always win at the point of the catch. There was yeah. even one play where he had a pick, and I think it was Russell Gage just like took it away from him. Russell Gage had a really, yeah. <laughs> Russell Gage had a really good game yeah, last yeah. week. So, so Ambry might be a season away. He just needs NFL conditioning off season, yeah. and and he'll be good. But today, I think the the Titans can go after him. I do know y'all are missing. Is it Ashis 
Aziz Alshire. Aziz, okay, yeah. yeah. Is that gonna? Is that a big uh, yeah, miss for y'all? Well, the the they're missing two linebackers. They're missing Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire. So they have Warner, but Alshire arguably was playing better football than Warner. Warner's having Fred a down Warner's year. a beast. Is, is he making the Pro Bowl? He Fred didn't Warner make the Pro Bowl. No. Wow. Um, and it's kind of a shocker, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it would have been a name recognition make this year. Like he he, yeah, he wasn't nearly as playing nearly as well as and this is by his own acknowledgement. But last week he played vintage Fred Warner. Ball. Okay, he was back last week. He had nine tackles, recovered a fumble, broke up a pass in the end zone. It was huge, huge play, goal line stand, and um, hit the quarterback once. So. They need that Warner while they're thin at linebacker because they got to do smoke and mirrors at linebacker. And it's a good thing Derrick Henry's not playing because by smoke and mirrors, I mean they play a lot of nickel. I think a lot of teams are saying that. that. Yeah. A lot of teams are saying that going into the tights. Good yeah. thing Derrick Henry's not playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's as you know, we've had 13 turnovers in the last four games. Um, we're one in three in those games, and the three losses we've had more than four turnovers in each game. And I think we had four. It, the Jags game that we won, we had zero zero turnovers on the offensive side, and we caused four. So like yeah. it just there's no it stat is awful. more correlated to winning and losing than the takeaway. It's ridiculous know, turnover differential. John David Booty with the five interceptions. <laughs> the and the biggest, I think, I think injuries even play a role in our turnovers because our role players are having to step up and be relied on like Ferkser and Foreman, Racy McMath, Racy McMath. Oh, that was a horrible, that was a play. terrible fumble. It was a third and four. He just was crossing. He's going across middle, got tackled. No, oh, he broke the tackle and then just threw the ball in the air. Like yeah, he, a like loaf of la- bread. he landed on Cam Sutton, another VFL who was tackling him and he was wearing long sleeve shirts or a long sleeve shirt, and you could tell the ball just slipped right out of the oh, right it was arm. So we, when you got, when you have AJ healthy, and when Julio, if he ever makes it through a whole game, <laughs> and Derek, then eighty-five percent of your touches are going to guys who are used to having the ball in their hand, who we trust not to t- turn the ball over. But we're now a hundred percent of our touches last week, and we'll see how much AJ and Julio play this week. We're sending, you know, obviously more targets to guys who just they're not good with the ball in their hand. They just aren't. And so it's causing a lot of turnovers, miscommunication. Um, but you know what? We've got to fight through it. I have a question for you, David, and we can we can we're at 45 minutes here, so we can maybe wrap this up. But in your unbiased Titans opinion, because you're obviously not biased towards the Titans, <laughs> if Derrick Henry is healthy, do you think the Titans are a Super Bowl contender? Well, I think their receivers have to be healthy. Okay. Uh, I, I think, yeah. So, so you think Derrick Henry and their receivers? Yes. I think you need to have the, the, the arsenal there for them. Because, again, the, I don't think that offensive line specializes in uh, pass protection. So it, it's a run block first offensive line, right? So uh, I see this with the 49ers all the time. So you have to be able to establish that run game, and you have to be able to run play action, but then the play action has to work. Right, you and have a lot to of times downfield shots, so you have to have the receivers. A lot of times, it's AJ Brown taking a slant that could be, you know, any other receiver. It's an eight yard gain; he takes it seventy yards for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. But but hey, I love Bayard. I love the defensive line. I don't love it. I like the defensive line. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's it, that's it's fair. a good no, yeah, that's line, totally fair. Yeah. I, I I definitely I love Jeffrey biased, Simmons. So Jeffrey Simmons is a good player, um, and I like Tannehill. 
Tannehill in 2019 led the league in a lot of efficiency metrics, uh-huh. which shows you that the formula can work. You don't have to have a great pass-protecting offensive line if you could disguise it with Henry. And you know that was before they had Julio, obviously, yeah. back in 2019. But the formula can work, but the formula is also fragile. And I yes. think that's the case for every NFL team, though. I mean, the salary cap has this to yep. where you lose a couple key guys and you see it around the whole league. So. I mean, we saw it with the Bucks the other night against the Saints. Lost Chris Godwin, Mike yeah, Evans, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. yeah, Tom Brady didn't look yeah. that great. So um, looked like he was forty three. As of today, <laughs> who do you think comes out of the AFC in January and plays in the Super Bowl? As of today, I like the Chiefs because they're actually playing defense right now. Yeah, they are, which, which is scary. Whenever they could play, I mean, that's when they beat the Forty ers in the Super Bowl. People always said, "Oh, their defense is kind of bad." But if you looked at the splits for the second half of the season and especially the playoffs, they were actually playing playing defense. Yeah, and you. Balance is the key for me. If you could be in the top 10 efficiency-wise on both sides of the ball and then your special teams didn't screw it up, then you're a contender. And the NFC has a couple of those teams, and the 49ers might be one of them. And the AFC right now, I think the leader in that pack for me, I, I, I look the at the Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. And they they were so bad early in the season that it's weird to say, but they've turned it on lately. So, Well, we are certainly reliant and on our knees hoping that Derrick Henry – makes a return this season <laughs> yeah. and is the same player that we and all know and love. Your, your load management of Julio Jones' yeah. load management works. <laughs> the one more point I wanted to make about this game is this is the kind of game where all the news is and all the predictions are going towards the 49ers, right? This is – they're on a roll. They're on a hot streak. Titans, turnovers, injuries, we're just struggling. Over the last four years, this seems to be the game where it doesn't make sense, but somehow Vrabel pulls it out of his hat. Whether he puts bulletin material up on the on the on the bulletin board in the locker room, whether he lights a fire under Jeffrey Simmons' ass for not watching the pro, not making the Pro Bowl, like I can't explain it and I can't like really argue any point. I think <laughs> like on paper we probably lose by double digits, um, except for the fact that Vrabel seems to always do well in the short preparation weeks, and he seems to always do well when everybody else is counting him out, and that doesn't make a lot of sense, but. We'll see. We'll see what Vrabel can can conjure up. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's the NFL, man. It's the it's it's been crazy this year. Anytime somebody gets a little too high, then they lose by double digits the next week. It's insane. So, <laughs> so usually, whenever we do, um, whenever we do the preview episode, we will give a bold prediction in the game, and then we'll also give a score prediction. So I'm gonna let you go first, Dave, um, and make a bold prediction for the game. It could be. For the Titans, it could be for the 49ers, but then give your score, and then Rob will go, and then I'll go. I think Nick Bosa is going to have three sacks. Okay. I would probably agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, like, he's got 15, and he wants to get the 20 this year. That's his stated goal. Yeah. Because the 49ers franchise record is 19 and a half. Oh, wow. And I think that's the story of the game is how beaten up up front the Titans are. Yeah. Uh, now, that being said, Thursday night games can be tough on defenses because the defenses, everybody's bruised. They've had 97 hours since their previous game to recover. It's an exact number. Yeah, I, I, it's I great counted content. it yesterday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that anywhere else. But, uh, so, and I think the Titans played earlier, right, on Sunday? We, yeah, we were new. Yeah, so they've yeah. had 100 hours, so they, they have a little bit <laughs> Let's more. Let's go! <laughs> Got the um, advantage, baby. 100 hours, no flight. But that, you know, it's a big deal. Traveling cross-country, um, the 49ers were not happy when this schedule came out. They thought they got screwed by the Thursday night game. They weren't really? happy about this. Yeah. 
Grab me a river, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I, I, I think that they'll at least Nick Bosa just a machine. I think he'll he'll have a huge game. I predicted the 49ers would win in my column 30 to 20, but um, I could see it being a whole lot closer than that. I'm, you know, I didn't feel confident by just the, the whole Thursday night nature of things and the fact that the Titans are uh, even as beaten up as they are and as much as they've been struggling offensively. I do think that they have at least one more circle the wagons rally around, you know, the flag kind of game in them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this went the other way, too. Bold prediction. I was thinking about doing something with Julio, but I just I can't. I, the, what I got to in my head was he'll play longer than a quarter, and uh, we'll give you something better than that. But I just I can't bring myself to actually predict he's going to get a touchdown, his first touchdown, or have an impactful game. So I'm going to go on the other side of the ball and say Zach Cunningham causes a turnover, whether it's a forced fumble or um, an interception. I think Zach Cunningham is going to come up big on the turnover stat sheet. And then a prediction. I said it earlier. My head tells me 49ers. Everything says 49ers. But I just, I'm going to stick with my guy Vrabel, and I'm going to stick with just the – I love what you're saying about the travel. That I hadn't thought about that. That makes it's me Megan Robert makes feel better. Me hopeful. <laughs> and it's a big deal. I think it impacted the point spread. I think this would have been given the Titans' injuries five minus five. It's wow. minus three instead. I think it it's worth a couple points. Okay. Okay. See, well, I'm I'm liking that more and more. <laughs> and uh, as you know, we are fans here. Okay, we're not reporters. David is a reporter, very well respected. But JG and I were fans, and we're emotional. And we're irrational sometimes. And so I'm predicting the Titans 24. No, 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 that's too many points. Let's go. <laughs> let's go 1917 Titans. Wow. Randy Bullock misses an extra point, and we all get really mad, but it doesn't matter in the end. Love it. Okay. My bold prediction is I'm all signs are pointing toward AJ Brown playing. So we we'll don't, find out officially here in three and a half hours at three o'clock if he gets activated from the IR. Yeah. But yeah. So we don't officially know as of right now, but I think his agency tweeted out "Welcome back" yesterday. Okay, so I mean, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So I, my bold prediction. Come on, Jimmy Sexton. AJ Brown has uh, at least a hundred yards receiving and a touchdown. Um, and I, so I, right here is I don't know if you can see I made a schedule prediction at the start of the year. And each week I have based my score prediction off of what I said, win loss. So if, you know, I said it was, a, it was going to be a loss against the 49ers and I, I'm going to have to stick with that because I said at the beginning of the year, you so I'm, he, he does not even, even with no, new information, he goes off of even what with he new, said from the beginning, even with new information, I stick with, <laughs> doesn't seem like the most efficient way to do it. But hey, well, well <laughs> half, the time, half the time I get the Titans score, right? And it might not be that I got the win loss right, but I, I get a little close. I'm going to say 23 21 49ers. Okay. So you had the 49ers winning before the start of the season. Correct. I had, so I had That's- the Titans 11 and 6, and I got that, that stretch where we beat the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams. I had all four of those games as losses, <laughs> and we won all four of those games. But then, so, obviously, you had the Jets, Texans. Well, and it was a joke. It was kind of funny because we would look at that, and I would always predict us to lose, and we would win. So each week, we'd be like, like Robert would tell me, "JG, you just got to keep, 
predicting us to lose. Maybe we'll end up winning. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, so you knows? said 23-21 Niners? 23-21 okay. Niners. That Rams game is interesting because the safeties in that Rams game, Bayard and Amani Hooker, confused the hell out of Oh, yeah. Stafford. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and our pass rush. Our pass today. rush yeah. did a great yeah, job, obviously, too. Obviously, but work, they work in conjunction, right? Yeah. Garoppolo's been really good since week eight. Uh, one blip was the Seahawks game where he didn't see uh, the linebacker, Bobby Wagner, dropping in the coverage, and they kind of fooled him there. If Tennessee can fool him once or twice and get a couple picks, that could that could tilt yeah. the scale here. Turnover battle is going to be massive, as, as Titans fans know. So. Um, real quick before we go, Adam is buzzing in my ear. Says we have somebody in the lobby wanting to uh, to come on and, and give or take. Um, introduce yourself for us. Our, our first our first live impromptu guest of the show, Hello. Margo. How are we Hi. doing? I'm really well. Um, so. I am a Nashville native, a unicorn, um, but I am dating a <laughs> lifetime 49ers fan. So as far as predictions here, I'm a little torn. Um, you know, when you're growing up in Nashville, you're kind of been dulled to the Titans mediocrity over the years, but it's been Amen. <laughs> really, really Amen. exciting the past few years. So I think it'll be a really close game. Um, I think that it'll be an exciting game. You know, ties are possible in the NFL. Oh, I, I just want both teams to have fun. Hey, well, we <laughs> have fun when we win. You, you, you can predict a tie before it happens. <laughs> That'd be legendary. Yeah, I will predict a tie. <laughs> so I don't Not ruffling choose, any feathers. So I don't have to choose between Robert, my blood and kin family and my my significant other 49ers. Reporter I, David. I've been to a tie before. <laughs> And it was the weirdest feeling leaving the stadium. It's it's so weird. I would hate that honestly. Oh, yeah. it'd be awful. <laughs> it, it would you be don't terrible. know how to feel because it was the 49ers and the Rams in 2012. It was the game that uh, Alex Smith suffered a concussion and Kaepernick came in. That was the beginning of that. So wow. Anyway, yeah, that, and the 49ers should have lost like seven times, but they also should have won like seven times. That they're, they're both teams blew a chance to win. So you. Leave feeling, oh, I'm so fortunate that we got that big break. Like they missed the chip shot field goal to win. Yeah. But then, oh, we did too. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That's it was hilarious. the worst. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> gosh. That's awesome. All right. Well, maybe, maybe we get a tie tonight. Who knows? Um, who knows? Please no. <laughs> yeah, please no. <laughs> For all of our sake. Yeah. Um, well, man, this was a blast. Yes, David, thank um, you for taking the time out of your day to do this. I know. So you probably head into the stadium here in the next hour or two. Uh, no, I'm not going to go there till like four. Okay. So yeah, I don't have any on camera stuff to do before. So I actually have to pick up the credential from the team hotel, the Grand Hyatt, because it showed up late. So we couldn't pick it up in the Bay Area. So yeah, that's how we treat our back. visitors. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they, they had to fly back with it and I had to pick it up in the hotel. The four owners were basically on house arrest of the hotel, not allowed to leave their hotel. Oh, wow. I heard, I heard somebody, uh, Broke the turned the heat off at the hotel, so the 49ers have been cold all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just throwing like, in all uh, the stats. The worst for that was the Utah Jazz fan when it was fans whenever the Chicago Bulls played them back when uh, Jordan. Um, the Jazz yeah, the would mess game? with the team's yeah. hotel. Well, I, yeah, the ja the Jazz fans would come with like air horns at 4 a.m. and stuff like that. And dang, um, and that's I think they say the Michael Jordan flu game was actually a. Food poisoning game, right? The I'd, some say he was hung over from gambling, but who knows? <laughs> but in the documentary, they said that somebody made a sketchy pizza in Utah. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. I don't know what's true, but I do know that 
that that was like legendary for trying to disrupt the other team. So no reports of, of, of malfeasance going on last night at the Nobody Grand Hyatt? Nobody pulled the fire alarm at the Grand <laughs> <laughs> Hyatt. Maybe we're not passionate enough as a fan base, JG. <laughs> Maybe we got we to we step up our game to help yeah. our injured and suffering team. Golly. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, that was a blast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Prime time. Titans are on prime time. Last year, last time we played on Thursday night, got crushed by the Colts. Hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. <laughs> I'm just happy to have a primetime Thursday night game that's not a color rush against the Jags or a, two backup quarterbacks playing each other, Colts-Titans. I there feel like go. we've seen that about six times the last seven years. <laughs> who, who would have been Colts-Titans, Jacoby Brissett? And, uh, and, well, who was a Titans guy? We, when Marcus Mariota got hurt. Blaine Gabbert. And then we oh, lost, Gabbert. And then yeah. we lost to Curtis Painter. Oh, God. oh my gosh. Uh, in Indianapolis. I don't I think we probably had a it was Mariota, but he was playing like a backup. So <laughs> <laughs> he's a backup now. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. So um well, yeah. hey, so there it is. Let's wrap it up, but everybody have a Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Are you prime yeah. times listeners out there? <laughs> have a prime time Christmas. And where can uh, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, Lombardi himself is my handle on Twitter and Instagram, and they could go to my YouTube channel. I just type in my name, David Lombardi. I started doing that this year. It's been fun. So, okay, be awesome. Y'all, Y'all give we'll get him, this out there. Give him a follow, a like, and, and subscribe. So, yeah. uh, that's awesome, Adam. You're off the rest of the week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks so much. We thank you all for listening.